20 minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope here on uh, Metro FM Talk. And, uh, yeah, we uh, take a look, I guess, at the big story today. And uh, many people, as I said, uh, out on a long weekend. But uh, it certainly wasn't a long weekend for many of the organizers and uh, many of those who are negotiating on either side of the divide of the public sector wage negotiations. Now, it seems a deadlock on Friday. Uh, arrived at between the two uh, parties here, Public Service and Administration Minister Senzom Kunu, saying the talks are not necessarily antagonistic. The role and uh, the position of the government is not to effectively defeat its counterparts on the other side of the negotiating table. And uh, I guess uh, prior to that, uh, early warning shots on the part of the Central Committee of Kosatu, who were saying if this matter is not resolved, uh, we'll be heading out to the voting polls and uh, casting our votes and then going out and joining the picket lines because public sector strike, a general strike, will coincide with those elections. A public Service Association has also joined that chorus of voices saying they plan to advise their members to prepare for a strike action. And uh, Ruben Maleka, who's the Assistant General Manager at uh, the PSA, uh, joins me to tell me a bit more. Ruben, good evening to Kabana Gunjan. Uh, good evening, uh, Ayabonga and the listeners of Metro FM. Yeah, man, thank you very much. Ruben, uh, when you say you are going to advise your members to prepare for a general strike or strike action, you certainly have no confidence that this deadlock between yourselves and the PSA is going to be broken. On the PS- we have P- lost confidence yeah, yeah, well, in yeah, the negotiations. Uh, the attitude of the minister also is aggravating the circumstances of the, these negotiations. As you are aware, Today, he went to issue media statement saying that he's going to uh, you know, seek inputs from the citizens in how this re- negotiation must be resolved. We believe that this is a kind of disingenuous and hypocrisy of the minister because if indeed he, he takes uh, citizens into confidence, he should have first consulted when he wanted to, he pronounced that uh, he's going to take public servants to learn about governance in China. Who did he consult for doing that? Now suddenly also the same government went to employ uh, Cubans who are engineers to come and work in the country. The question is that who did they consult in employing those Cubans to work in the country? We know that South Africans are unemployed. There's a high rate of unemployment. We've got engineers that uh, are capable. But all these things that is happening, you ask yourself, why do you go to China? Why do you go to Cuba? And in all instances, you talk about consultation. It is shocking that suddenly we hear this government saying that they are consulting citizens after many years of governance and squandering and looting of funds where uh, citizens were never consulted. Hmm. So so quite a few issues here that you're speaking about, Ruben. Um, You are saying that... um, in, his, in essence, what the minister should not have done is to go out into the public domain, communicate what the negotiating position is of the government, and then effectively expect you to toe the line. Definitely. I mean, that's actually uh, an attempt to collective bargaining because we know that his intentions are not good to say that he's going to consult the public. He's trying to make a, a stance that uh, you know public servants are, are unreasonable, the public will call them to order, and he forgets that the public is aware, fully aware that it is not the public servants who made the mess of this country where we are today, where there's no money. And it cannot be because of uh, COVID-19. Since 2018, October, September day, Mm. The same government said they don't have money. So what happened to the money? What happened to the fiscal of the state? It cannot be because Corona only started this 
current financial year of 2021-2022 because the last financial year where they've not implemented even resolution one of 2018 it was of the previous financial year where there was no corona so hiding behind corona and even instigating the public against public servants we believe that this is just more provocation to us as public servants and we are determined that it's time that we show them uh, and they must show us respect we are going to uh, have a total shutdown of the public service. Mm, mm. Talk to me about that total shutdown because, I mean, many people might be saying, look, you lost out on the third leg of your, um, you know, agreement in the last agreement and uh, you didn't uh, bring the country to a standstill then. Um, You're now effectively deadlocked in a negotiation for the next year, maybe, maybe two years, maybe three years of an agreement. What about this particular action is going to bite the public service a lot more or is going to, I guess, contribute to the achievements of the ends that you want to achieve here that uh, you potentially weren't able to do so probably at the time of the budget last year when, you know, the finance minister announced that they weren't going to be honouring the agreement? Look, the previous uh, non-implementation was a resolution which obviously in terms of the law, when there's an agreement, you can't strike. Uh, The only avenue that we have followed is the court's as we speak, we are in the Constitutional Court. We are, uh, the court is sitting on the 24th of August to resolve that impasse. But in the current uh, scenario of 2021-2022 financial year is negotiations. And where there's no agreement, the only ultimate, which is the way of saying we have to show our muscles, is when we have to strike. Yes, of course, we know that uh, th- there have been attempts by government to try and... Uh, uh, you know, go to the public and say that we are unreasonable because there is no money in, in the in, in the fiscals. But what happened to the fiscals of this country? Look at what just a mere report of the Auditor General, just one that was released uh, last month, showing about 50 billion rand being lost and not accounted for. So nobody is held accountable because, I mean, it, it cannot happen that in a country so much of money is lost and nobody is accountable, nobody knows where the money is, and no effort is made to recover such monies. So, indeed, as, as unions, we are determined collectively. All unions were ready to roll out. Uh, we know that the, the most services that will be affected uh, is uh, the critical components such as where you have to get a death certificate or birth certificate or home affairs, you not get it. Mm. If you have to travel out of the country, or in the country, uh, you not get any board at the post of entries. Uh, we know that the teachers would not be in the schools, so there'll be ch- total shutdown of public schools. And um, if you look at the DIT office also, there are also courts also, they will not be functioning when the strike resumes. Because we know that the public servants are very upset. They know they've been behind us to say that, look, we want to show that uh, this issue of being ignored or being undermined must come to an end, and the ultimate is to show by means of industrial action. Mm. And I guess maybe the other sort of side of that question um, relates to, one, your demands, um, and within that suite of demands, what other alternatives you would open yourselves up to. So, for instance, let me give you an example. I was speaking to Kaya Kaiba on Twitter earlier on today, and I said, you know, Kaya, would you guys, as Nehao, be open um, to, you know, uh, looking at alternatives. And an alternative potentially might be, you know, the government uh, committing 
say over a three to five year period uh, to progressively increase contributions on the pensions to in lieu of course of whatever increase uh, or potentially they might reduce worker contributions or something like that uh, w- would you be open to i guess a sort of non cash type solution to uh, uh, this particular impulse Look, uh, we are in negotiations. We are open to see that uh, as long as you don't take from what you already have and pay the other way that they want to propose, that they want to take from allowances and pay the salaries. That mm. cannot be allowed. Mm. Uh, one alternative, uh, which is very interesting, and as I, as I read comments of our members as they communicate with us through our social media, sure. one of the most interesting part, which I think it makes sense, is that, okay, since they don't have money, let them reduce tax for public servants. Uh, if if you pay like say, your, from your your salary, you are paying about uh, six thousand rand in terms of tax. Pay half of it, let's say thirty thousand rand. They they are making those proposal, and it seems to make sense that if government does not have cash, uh, then let's agree on say that no. Uh, let's also reduce the tax payment mm. of of the workers in lieu of the salary adjustment. It, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. Because I, I guess the reality of the situation here is that, you know, we might be looking at this challenge in, in a very sort of staid way, right? If, if we just think that, you know, the one side will say we don't have money, the other side says no, we know you have money because you spend your money so badly, so you can honor the agreement. Um, and, and and one of the things that I think is becoming a lot clearer here is that even from a fiscal perspective, it might be worth trying to think about using either foregone revenue that ought to have come to the state as a potential way in which to pay workers in lieu of this increase, or even thinking about it on the benefit side of things uh, in relation to their pensions or even, I guess, increasing allowances uh, over time in the future or anything of that kind. Um, and uh, you, you are certainly suggesting that you're open to that. But I guess the other elements I want to talk about, uh, uh, Ruben, are probably the maybe the non-financial elements of a bargaining agreement. I mean, in this platform, we also try and maybe educate the, uh, the public about what happens in some of these, uh, uh, you know, collective agreements, in particular those signed, you know, at uh, the uh, uh, PSCBC. Um, and, uh, you know, one of our guests earlier was raising the issue of the fact that it's a coordinated bargaining council, you're unable to tease out, you know, the sector-specific performance-related uh, issues that ideally should be going into an, uh, a collective agreement. So if, you, if, if you're dealing with teachers, for instance, Satu, Denosa, uh, oh, sorry, Satu, Naptosa, and a few others, uh, then potentially you would want to have school performance plans or school improvement plans as part of that uh, bargaining agreement. What's the view of the PSA on that particular issue and the criticism that uh, in the past many of these agreements have been very thin on performance, uh, but of course uh, uh, talking a considerable amount about pay? Look, uh, the public services for for many years has a a performance development system and um, we believe that it has been implemented the the only critical point that I've realized that with the PMDS is that over time it has been used as more of issue of payment of bonus. But in fact, the PMDS is intention and purpose is to ensure that we have uh, performing public servants and those who lack at a particular area. Say someone needs uh, improvement in terms of finances, mm. then that person can be assisted so that in this day we would uh, professional uh, public service. And we thought that when the president 
talked about professionalization of public service would intensify the PMDS in the public service and also issues of governance, looking at the school of governance in uh, that this uh, uh, institution that is responsible to ensure that public servants are, uh, are developed in the, in the in, in, in their place of work. So we thought the PMDS with its purpose and with the school of governance in, in, in the public service, the public servants would improve their skills and be able to ensure that service delivery goes to the people. But mm. we can never forget, and we must applaud, the fact that public servants, through thick and thin, they've been carrying this country. We know where we come from in terms of COVID. Most of us were hiding behind our doors, and they faced the enemy that we didn't know. The nurses that we have, the teachers who made sure that the curriculum of 2020 uh, comes to an end successfully, the police officers, the men in blue who are currently, as we speak, they are being uh, also ignored in terms of salary adjustment. Mm. And we know the difficulty that they are faced with out there in this country. All these kind of things point to a point that it's time that government thinks uh, carefully about public servants because we need them. And and I mean, from where you're sitting, uh, I'm quite interested, I guess, in in how you're viewing uh, as you prepare yourselves and your members for the strike. Uh, viewing some of your counterparts who are sitting on the other side. I mean, uh, you know, uh, unions linked to Kosatu or unions, you know, outside of that particular federation, but also representing, uh, you know, workers in the public service. Um, have you got a common program of sorts? I mean, Kosatu's Central Executive Committee came out a few weeks ago saying they anticipate that, uh, you know, their general strike might even coincide with elections. Look, uh, the public servants unions are in Asian. We talk on the same uh, voice. We are determined. There's no uh, division. All of us in the public service, despite where you belong, where you are affiliated, mm. we speak in one voice. We are saying we want to see, uh, you know, bringing dignity to the collective bargaining. We want the public service to be what it, it was all the time. And it cannot be. We are not going to be distracted by uh, attempts by the minister to try and cause division within us. We are resolute as all public servants, unions, and we are determined that come the day when uh, the minister does not listen, we are going to be in the streets, all unions in the public service. And, I mean, I I like that comment because what it speaks to is, um, you know, this idea that if you can sing on the same wicket, then you're not going to find, I guess, divisions that will break... Uh, uh, workers in the middle. Um, and I want to maybe hear your view on what a lot of people were suggesting that, uh, you know, this new phase of bargaining in the public service uh, will mean not only just a reorganization of that bargaining council um, insofar as the inclusion of SOE workers and the inclusion of other workers that have effectively contributed to the ballooning of the public sector wage bill. A lot of people have made that argument saying, in effect, the fact that uh, SOE salaries are bargained outside of the sort of national and provincial uh, government bargaining process creates a lot of leakage from the system. So that's the one. The second issue is around occupational specific dispensations that many of your members have been benefiting from since the the mid-2000s or so. And this idea that those need to be reviewed and uh, I guess uh, informed by such a review uh, where they need to be uh, removed from the system, then that needs to follow. What is the view of the PSA on that particular issue? And are you open to that kind of negotiation on those two issues? Widening of the uh, uh, bargaining councils, but also the review and uh, reconsideration of the OSD framework. 
Let me start with the recons- uh, reconsideration of the OLD. Uh, first of all, you know, it's, it's come, it comes uh, that topic comes at interesting times because we just heard uh, today, I think if it's not yesterday, about the Cubans, um, you know, engineers. We've got the resolution that deals with engineers OSD, and we believe that we have managed to retain skills in the country. But suddenly we hear that there are b- millions of rents reserved for Cubans to come and work in the country. So the fact of the matter is that the OSD intention and purpose all the time was to ensure that we retain, uh, you know, skilled employees because, as we know, prior to the death, there were a lot of skilled South Africans who were flocking out of the country to work in foreign countries simply because they, the, the public service could not attend them. And we believe that with the OSD, we have, we have managed that situation. We no longer hear many nurses leaving the country or health professionals. We don't hear about many of our engineers leaving these shores or greener pastures up, uh, out there. So OSD is one of the retention strategies that we believe that is working. Uh, and should be retained. On the second point of single public service, we call it single public service. This concept came long time ago, and um, I think it's about more than 10 years when uh, it was proposed uh, that we need a single public service that will include all spheres of government and SOEs. We will welcome such a suggestion because it will create harmony Mm. in terms of salaries, uh, that are coming out of the fiscals. Because strangely, let me give example. We are busy in the public service in the provincial and national sphere. But at the local government, the same government is giving uh, the, part, uh, the trade unions there, they are already at 2.8%. But with us, at the national and, uh, and provincial structure, we are at 0%. You see, these are kind of misalignment that needs to be addressed when we have a single public service. Mm. I think that would be interesting to have one central bargaining for all of us sure, and sure. with harmonized uh, salary mm. levels where Grades, we don't find disparity, yeah, where you know, SOEs are paying huge ca- mm. amount of salaries just to be managing one entity. But you find that in a DG at, at one of the departments, such as Home Affairs, is responsible for over 100 and something mm. uh, uh, offices and more than 20,000 employees. So those are kind of disparities that need to be addressed in the single public service. Hmm. Ruben, we'll have to leave it there, my brother, and uh, really appreciate you taking time to speak to us uh, this evening. I know it's not the last time we're going to speak to you on this particular matter, but uh, we'll have to leave it there, my brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you, Abonga Levatilich, Metro FM. Ah, Uh, That there was uh, Ruben Maleka and uh, thanking you, Batilechi, by Metro FM. And Namza Nibulela, Bapulapuli, by Metro FM, says Posap in Dambo. 9 p.m. is the time. We're going to have to leave it there, folks. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Ukiwa gombona kutubela na nangoku. Siaibanga, le economy.